Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Radio Omnidot podcast. My name is Simon Eger. I am the person behind Omnidot.com, the online encyclopedia of writing systems and languages. In this episode, I will be talking about Czech or Czechina or Czechiazic, the language spoken mainly in Czechia or the Czech Republic. Česká republika. I will be talking about the Czech language itself, a bit about its grammar and vocabulary, pronunciation, and maybe a bit about its history as well, where it's spoken. And I will be talking about my own efforts to learn the language, as I have been learning it on and off for quite a few years now. Let's start with the word Czech. Now in English, this is written C-Z-E-C-H, and this is in fact a Polish spelling, because in Polish, the sound Ch is written CZ. However, in Czech, the language is known as Czeschina or Czeschiazic, and the Ch there is written with a C with a little accent on top of it, which looks like a bit of a, a small V. It's known technically as a caron, or in Czech, a harcheck, a little hook. And this, this accent appears on a number of other letters in Czech as well. In fact, if you look at the Czech text, it seems to be full of accented letters. So you have the harcheck on the C, which makes it a Ch sound. Without the harcheck, it's a S sound. And then on the D, you have a harcheck, which makes it into a D sound. And without, it's a D, although at the end of a word, it's devoiced, it becomes D. And then an E with a harcheck is a Y sound. An N is a N. An R with a harcheck is a Th that's a tricky sound to pronounce. Even some, some native Czech speakers have trouble with that sound, apparently. Technically, according to phoneticians, it is a raised alveolar non-tolerant trill. So a trill, in this case an alveolar trill, is a R sound, the, like you have in Spanish and Italian. But this one is a raised alveolar trill. So it's something like in uh, non-technical terms, it's described as a combination of the sounds R and Sh, but this is not exactly what it is, and it varies depending on where it is in the word, as most other letters do in Czech, and there are voiced and voiceless versions of it. I think of it as a bit like the Welsh sound represented by the letters RH, which is a kind of Sh sound. And then you have S with a hard check, which is a Sh, T with a hard check, which is a T and Z with a harcheck, which is a Z sound. Now, D and T with harchecks in lowercase actually are written with what looks like a, a little comma. In the uppercase, they do have a, the full harcheck. Our other accents found in Czech are acute accents, which mark long vowels. So vowels are A-E-I-O-U, and Y as well is used as a vowel, which has the same pronunciation as I, which is E or E. But in some contexts you use I, and sometimes you use Y. And there are kind of patterns to when, when you use each one, but I'm never quite sure. And then other long vowels are written with the, with the acute accent, so A, A, E, E, and so on. But the U can either be written, the long U can either be written with a, an acute accent, or with a little ring above it. So when it's at the beginning of a word, or syllable, it has an acute accent. Elsewhere, it has the ring. That's all the accents of Czech, and the other letters are fairly straightforward. There's nothing too difficult to pronounce, and you pronounce all of them. 
There's no silent letters. Now, each letter represents one sound, one phoneme, with the exception of the digraph CH, which represents the CH sound. So one difficulty of pronouncing Czech is that you can get pileups of consonants. For example, the Czech word for ice cream is written Z-M-R-Z-L-I-N-A and pronounced something like Zbrzlina. That's five consonants in a row at the beginning of it. The R, the R sound, is a kind of semi-vowel or syllabic consonant and another other consonants kind of act in that role. N, L and M, for example. And you can have whole sentences that don't contain any vowels. There's a famous tongue twister, which I will not attempt to pronounce. Here's an actual Czech person pronouncing it. Which means stick your finger through your throat. Now, not every Czech sentence is completely vowelless like that. They do have a few vowels, but uh, it does take quite a while to get used to pronouncing Czech. And according to a Czech friend in colloquial Czech, some vowels are even disappearing, some of the non-stressed vowels. So there are even more pileups of consonants in colloquial versions of Czech. Now let's get back to the word Czech. Now in English, the word Czech can refer to the Czech language, the Czech Republic, the Czech people, Czech things generally. But of course in Czech, there are different words to refer to these things. The language is known as Czeschina or Czeschiazik. The people are known as Czech, or in the plural, Czeshi. The place is known as Česko, which means translated as Czechia, or Česká Republika, the Czech Republic. And somebody, or something to do with the Czech Republic, is known as Český, as in the Český Jazyk. And confusingly, the largest region of the Czech Republic, which is known as Bohemia in English, is referred to as Čechy in Czech. And the word Bohemia, of course, comes from the old French Bohème, from the Latin Boiheimum, which comes from the Latin name of the Celtic tribe that inhabited the region that is now Czechia and the neighbouring places until about 60 BC, and the Germanic word Heimaz, which means home, so the home of the Boi people. And Boi comes from a proto-Celtic word, Baus, meaning cattle, or from a word meaning warrior or strong hitter, Beihe or something like that. So it's the land of the cattle owners or the warriors. That's Bohemia. It has a slightly different meaning in modern English. Now, what kind of language is Czech? Well, it belongs to the Western branch of the Slavic language family, along with Slovak, Polish, Upper and Lower Sorbian, Kashubian, and a number of other languages. It is very closely related to Slovak, and Czech and Slovak friends have told me that they can understand each other pretty well. I think they need some exposure to each other's languages in order to do so. A Czech or a Slovak speaker who had never heard the other language before might initially find it difficult to understand, but once they've got used to the differences in vocabulary and pronunciation, they can understand each other without too much difficulty. Now, the Czech Republic is historically divided into three regions. I've already mentioned Bohemia, which is the largest region, and there's also Moravia, or Morava in Czech, where they speak dialects which are considered part of the Czech language, but are actually closer to Slovak. And then there's Silesia, or Upper Silesia, where they speak a language which is quite similar to Polish. And Czech and Polish are not exactly mutually intelligible, 
A Czech friend told me that when she went to Poland, she could understand some of what people said, but couldn't really understand all the, the details. She could get the basic gist of what they were saying and was able to communicate at a basic level, but there were a lot of things she couldn't understand, and the people she talked to in Czech couldn't understand everything she said either. People speaking Slavic languages started settling in the area that became the Czech Republic from about the 7th century, and gradually their languages developed. By about the 15th century, Czech and Slovak were starting to become separate languages, and this was partly due to religious differences. The Czechs were Catholic, and the Slovaks followed the Orthodox traditions, and they developed different ways of writing their languages. The first complete translation of the Bible in Czech was published between 1579 and 1593, Czech was declared the official language of the Kingdom of Bohemia in 1715, although it was referred to as Bohemian back then. And later on, the Austro-Hungarian Empire took over the region that is now Czechia, and German became the main language, and Czech was kind of sidelined. But during the mid-18th century, there was a revival in interest in the Czech language, and people started using it and writing it and producing literature. And in 1809, the linguist and historian Józef Dobrowski created a standard way of writing the language. Before then, people had written it however they felt like, really. There were no standard ways of writing it. Today, Czech is the official language of the Czech Republic, and also a recognised minority language in Slovakia and Poland. The majority of Czech speakers live in the Czech Republic. There are about 10.5 million people there who speak the language. There are also 2.5 million speakers of Czech in Slovakia, and about 47,000 in the USA, 37,000 in Serbia, 17,000 in Austria, and smaller numbers in Croatia, Poland, Romania, and a number of other countries. And now let's have a little look at the grammar of Czech. Now Czech is a highly inflected language, which means that every word can take a huge variety of forms for various reasons. For example, nouns can be inflected or declined even for case, gender and number, and verbs can be inflected for tense, aspect, mood, person, subject, number and even gender. So there are seven noun cases, each of which has a different grammatical role. So each noun is marked to show what role it plays in a sentence, which means word order can be quite flexible. The standard word order is subject, verb, object, but if you want to stress a particular part of a sentence, you put it at the end. For example, the sentence, Medved i klobasu, means the bear eats a sausage. And as klobasu, sausage, is at the end, it stresses that the bear is eating a sausage and not anything else. If you change the orderings, you say, klobasu i medved, it means the same thing, but it moves the stress to the, the bear itself. It's a bear that's eating a sausage and not a, another creature. If you change this, the order again and you say medved klobasu yi, then it emphasizes that the bear is eating the sausage and not juggling with it or doing something else with it. Textbooks will probably tell you in Czech, word order is flexible. You can put words in any old order. As long as they're correctly formed with the right grammatical endings, then it will be understood. But in practice, as you've seen, the different orders can certainly change the emphasis. There's 
of the sentence, the focus of the sentence. And some orders are more common than others. Now, Czech has three genders. Those are masculine, feminine, and neuter. Nothing too amazing there, although the masculine gender is subdivided into animate and inanimate noun. Now, the, the genders are fairly straightforward, because most masculine nouns end with a consonant, most feminine nouns end with A or E, and most neuter nouns end with O, E, or a long E, that's I with an acute accent. So there is some overlap between feminine and neuter nouns, obviously. And then we get to the cases. Now, this is one of the aspects of Czech which takes a lot of getting used to. I've studied German, which has four cases, and Irish, which has four as well, and a number of other languages that have noun cases. But Czech has a few extra ones. There are currently seven cases in Czech. My Czech children, I taught them in, in this order. The první pad, or nominative, is the nominative case, and that's used for the subjects of sentences. For example, já i vidím, I see her. Now, the pronouns can often be dropped because the ending of the verb indicates who's doing the, the action. So I could just say ividim or vidimi, depending on which part of the sentence I want to emphasize. Then the next case is druhipad. The second case is the genitive, genitive, which is used to show possession and with some preposition. For example, její květy jsou modré. Her flowers are blue. Now you can see in English, we have the remnants of a case system. Old English had four cases like German, but pronouns are really the only place where you see the cases still and a few other words. So her is the genitive here, and in Czech it's ye. And then the third case, pad or dative, is the dative case, which is used for indirect objects and certain prepositions of motion. An example of this is davam ji kvetini, I give her flowers. And then the next one, the chitvrti pad, the fourth case, accusative. The accusative case is used with direct objects and certain prepositions of motion and time. So an example would be, ona mnie vidi, she sees me. So you see in English, I changes to me in this case. And in Czech, ja, which is I, changes to mnie. And then the next case is the party pad. The fifth case is the vocative this is used when you're addressing someone. So if you've got a friend called Eva, for example, to say hi Eva, in Czech you say ahoy Evo. So the A changes to an O. That's one of the easiest ones to, to use. It's only used with names and certain words. And I love the word for hi, which is ahoy. It can also be used for goodbye. They also say ciao and various other words. And then the next case, the shesti pad, is the lokal or the locative case, which indicates location, time, and topic. For example, sem doma, I am at home. Now, home or house is doom, but in the locative case, it's doma, at home. And then the final case is the sedmi pad, or the instrumental, is the instrumental case, which is used to show the instruments, what, how you do something, what you do something with, and with certain prepositions of location. For example, Ona sestuje autobusem. She is traveling by bus. You see, in English we use a, a preposition there, by bus, to indicate that she's using a bus to travel. But in Czech, autobus, the bus becomes autobusem, by bus. And I've heard rumors that if you master all these seven cases, there's a secretive eighth case, that would be osmipad, which is known as the abscondiv, the hidden case. 
It's only used when the moon is full in certain secret locations in the mountains of Bohemia, and if you manage to get to grips with all the aspects of Czech grammar, then you might be lucky enough to find out about this case, because it is used to refer to secrets and other hidden knowledge that is not available to ordinary Czech learners. And then verbs come in various forms, you've got various tenses, and you've got some verbs that are very irregular, like the verb to be, and in the past tense, they have masculine and feminine versions. For example, if I say, I did something, I would say, Jalal Sam or Sam Jalal. But if it was a female person speaking, she would say, Jalala Sam or Sam Jalala, put an A on the end. That's fairly straightforward, but um, it's an extra thing you have to learn. There's plenty more that could be said about Czech grammar and language, but I think that'll do for now. Gives you an overview, a flavour of the language. Now it's time for a tune, I think. This is a lullaby from Moravia called Haye Moi Zlatoshku, or Sleep, My Little Golden One, sung by me with accompaniment played by me on the harp. take you back to autumn 2006 when I started learning Czech for the first time. At the time I was living in Brighton, I had a number of Czech friends there, and I thought it would be nice to learn a bit of their language. They all spoke pretty good English, so I didn't actually need to learn it, but I thought why not give it a go. And I also wanted to try out the Pimsleur language courses. I hadn't tried any before, and I thought it would be interesting to try them out in a language I didn't know anything about at all. I had studied a bit of Russian before then, so I had some knowledge of Slavic languages, a Slavic language anyway, but Czech and Russian are quite different languages. I mean, some of the basic words are the same, 
and the grammar is kind of similar, but there's a lot of differences as well. So I went through the PIMSA course and learned a bit of basic Czech from that. It wasn't enough to even have a, a limited conversation, really, apart from exchanging greetings and a few other polite phrases. So I got other courses like Colloquial Czech and tried to work my way through that. I also found a Czech language exchange partner online. At the time, she was learning Welsh and I was learning Czech and I'd already learned quite a bit of Welsh by then so I could help her with her Welsh and she could help me with my Czech. And we spoke regularly online via Skype and exchanged emails and we're still friends to this day. She's learned a lot more Welsh than I've learned Czech in that time. And we we eventually met up in person and have met up many times since then. And when we do meet, we speak in a funny mixture of English, Czech, Welsh and Danish because she's now living in Denmark. And um, then I had a long break. I didn't study much Czech for quite a few years. I had another go in 2010 and started listening to Czech radio regularly online and using whatever sources I could find to try and listen to and read and study the language. And I got to a, the stage where I could understand quite a bit and kind of have basic conversations, but I didn't wouldn't consider myself anywhere near fluent. And then another long break... You can see a pattern, perhaps, emerging. And then I went back to studying Czech in 2019. And I'd been studying various languages on Duolingo, and I completed courses in um, Swedish and Russian and Romanian, and I was working on Danish and Spanish and Esperanto, and I thought, why not add Czech into the mix just for fun, just to try and learn more of it and revise what I already knew. So since early 2019, I've been studying Czech every day with Duolingo, and later on I also started using Monthly, another language learning app. And each one has its own strengths and weaknesses, and neither really teaches you how to speak the language very well. It's mainly focused on listening and reading and writing, but there is some degree of actually using the language, and they have speech recognition, so actually Monthly is quite good for that now. They've added a conversational um, section to each each um, set of lessons. So when you've worked your way through uh, the lessons, there's seven or eight lessons in each kind of topic, you have a conversation based on what you've learnt. It's a kind of virtual conversation that gives you the the language to use, and then you repeat it, and, and then it records your voice, and you can um, compare it to the native speakers, which is quite a useful tool. And it also sometimes asks you to say something, and then it uses speech recognition to try and compare your speech with the, the, the uh, native speaker. And if it recognizes your voice, then you, you pass that, that little test. And if not, you try again until you get it near enough right. And that, that's quite useful. So at the moment, I can understand quite a lot of Czech. I'm starting to be able to read text and make some sense of them. I don't understand everything by any means. And to be able to understand spoken Czech to some extent and even to have basic conversations. There's still a long lot more to learn. There is a lot to learn in Czech. That's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it is classified by some as a hard language. And I mean, there, there are other languages that have far more things to learn, far, no, far more difficult, perhaps. But as I've said before, there's, there's a lot of grammar involved in Czech. I mean, every language has grammar, but Czech has all sorts of ways that words can change the inflections on everything, basically. And these take a lot of learning. 
and a lot of practice in order to, so you can use them automatically without thinking about them rather than thinking okay this word is in this position in this sentence so it's in the dative case and I've got to use this ending and it's in it's a masculine word and it's animate and it's plural so I use this particular ending and so on when you're having a conversation with someone you don't have time to think of all those things so it has to become automatic you have to build up a um, an instinct for how to use the words and also how to recognize them when you hear them so you know who's doing what to who to who and all that sort of thing so yes czech is a very interesting language if you have any interest whatsoever in the czech republic if you have any czech friends then why not give it a go try and learn it it is a challenge there are many challenges involved it is quite difficult and there are some people who say oh no it's not that difficult really there's it's pretty regular and some aspects of it are but there's a lot of irregularity as well. A lot of things will take time to get used to, as I've said, but it is an interesting adventure. So I think that'll do for now. I hope you found this interesting and informative. If you're inspired to learn Czech, or you are learning Czech, and you'd like to leave any comments on this or any other episode of this podcast, you can go to omniglot.com slash radio. You can contact me at feedback at omniglot.com. My name is Simon Eger. You can find more information about Czech on the notes for this episode, and also on omnigot.com itself. So, that's all I have to say for now. Goodbye. Naskaledano.